We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-fueled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding in relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. Brother Brandon, it's a pleasure, as always, to record another episode with you. So go ahead and introduce us to the topic at hand and tell us how you're doing today. Well, thank you for that, Brother Chris, and the feeling is mutual. It's always good when we can sit down together and talk about the eternal truths found in God's Word, and Amen. and yes. it's always good to have all these listeners joining us as well uh, as they're going along in this journey with us. Right. Well, today we're going to be in the book of James again. No shock or surprise there <laughs> as Who we continue. Guessed? Yeah, exactly. And we're continuing our verse-by-verse study of this very insightful and practical letter from the Lord's half-brother. Mm-hmm. And as we turn now to James chapter 5 and look at verses 1 to 6, we'll see that James hits us with another shocking paradox. There's a lot of paradoxes in this epistle. And in this one, uh, in this passage, he talks about the poverty of riches. Mm -hmm. He is talking to us in this text about the rich person that is actually poorer than the most impoverished beggar. And he boldly cautions us about the futility of storing up earthly wealth by reminding us that all earthly wealth is ultimately fool's gold that vanishes away. And we shall see that while he addresses unbelievers who are rich by the world's standard and poor by God's standard, there are still many lessons about the vanity of storing up treasures on earth that we who believe must take to heart. Mm -hmm. And so there's lessons here for believers and unbelievers about riches and what is truly rich in the sight of God. Mm -hmm. Let's begin our study of this by looking at verses 1 to 3 where James introduces this topic. We'll go ahead and just read this passage. James says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Wow. Yeah. You have laid up treasure in the last days. You know, I found in going through James, some of these statements are really not so nice, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of makes you want to be poor right here, you know. Yeah. The worldly way, like, hey, I'm going to go close down my bank account real quick. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, I heard somebody say that God gets in our face through this letter so that he might get into our heart. Yeah, that's a good one. And so there's a lot of harsh language, a lot of stern warnings and cautions in the book of James. But Mm -hmm. as we've seen many times before, 
it's just really because the truth hurts. Yeah. Sometimes the truth is a bitter pill to swallow. And James tells us the bitter truth about earthly riches in this passage. And he first and primarily just addresses the rich here. And Mm -hmm. as you notice when we read, he calls the rich to mourn and wail. Now, that's a pretty surprising response to riches. Right. That's not typically the response you have when you win the lottery (laughs) or when you get a raise or deposit a big check in your account. And you might mourn and wail when tax time comes due. Yeah. But typically when you are blessed with great riches like that, you rejoice and you celebrate and you're exuberant and filled with glee. So why is it that James calls the wealthy to weep? Why does he command those with lots of money to mourn? Well, before we answer that, let's just clarify something. James is not condemning riches in general. Right. Now, as we see in the scripture many times, our earthly riches are a blessing from God. Many Mm -hmm. times God blesses us financially. You can read the book of Proverbs and see many places where the scripture teaches that. In fact, we even see in the book of Acts in the New Testament that Barnabas was able to provide for the needy in the first church because God had blessed him abundantly with the means to do so. So he was a fellow who was kind of rich in the earthly sense. You know, he had a lot of fields and whatnot, and he sold those fields that he once possessed in order to donate the proceeds to the church. And so it's very clear that God does bless Christians with wealth sometimes and that such believers are commanded to use their wealth for God's service and to take care of his church. Right. So James is not condemning riches in general here. What he is condemning is the person who puts all of their trust in their riches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's condemning the person whose possessions have possessed them. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and That's he's he's rebuking it. that. He's rebuking right. this attitude that basically says, I am really something because mm-hmm. I have something, something more than everyone else. And the reason he calls for such an emotionally charged response of mourning and weeping is twofold here. Number one, those trusting in earthly riches should mourn and weep. Because trusting in earthly riches is blatantly sinful. Mm -hmm. This is something wicked, something detestable in the sight of God. And so James is calling such a person to repent. In fact, the instructions he gives here in James chapter 5 are similar to what he told believers to do in James chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, where he said, be wretched and mourn and weep. There Mm -hmm. it is again. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. James speaks generally in that passage in here saying, if we've sinned against God, then we need to mourn over it. Right. We need to come to a place of remorse and repentance where we turn away from our sin and where we're brokenhearted over it. Mm-hmm. And James is saying that regarding the person who has all their faith in what they own. He's saying, look, that's wrong. That's sinful. That is really spitting in the face of God because he's the one we're supposed to be trusting in. Right. And so we should mourn and weep if we're trusting in earthly riches. Mm -hmm. But the second 
reason he calls for such a powerful response of repentance is because one day God will take all of our riches away. Right. And the reality is that if all of your faith is in your bank account, well, you might as well start crying now mm-hmm. because you will weep and wail when Christ returns to sweep away all of your wealth like dust being swept out of the door. Yeah. See, the scripture I, tells us. Yeah. Well, I definitely you, don't have, I don't have faith in my bank account for sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what he's, he's warning us against. Um, we don't need to have faith in our bank account because Christ is going to take it away Yeah, because there won't be any need for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when definitely. Jesus returns, what's he coming to do? Yeah. He's coming to usher in a new heaven, a new earth, and he's going to start by getting rid of the present one mm-hmm. and everything that is wrapped up in this present system. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Second Peter 3, for example, tells us that uh, when the day of the Lord comes, he's coming like a thief and the heavens and the earth will dissolve. It's all going to dissipate by the simple appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And so it's certainly uh, illogical and ir- irrational for us to trust in our riches if they're going to be gone. Yeah, And that's what James is saying. And James says uh, even further, and secondly here, uh, he says, look, your riches are wasting away even now. And that's why he says, look, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you. He's saying, look, eventually, on the day of judgment, Christ is going to uh, erode all of those riches. He's going to get rid of them. But look, even now, even now they're they're wasting away. Now, it's kind of like what somebody said once, money talks. It usually says goodbye. <laughs> now, we know that to be the truth, right? Amen. Amen, yeah. Amen and oh me. Um, but that's true. Every dollar made... Every penny saved, every diamond worn, every pearl cherished, every house adorned, every car souped up, and every physical possession on earth is deteriorating. It is saying goodbye to us even right now. Mm -hmm. Nothing on this earth lasts forever. And that, of course, is why Jesus wisely commanded all believers, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also Mm -hmm. and so james has made several points here so far he's saying look if your trust is in earthly riches you need to repent you need to have remorse one reason for that is your earthly riches are fading away even now right and The last reason he gives here is that if you trust in earthly riches, you are storing up judgment for yourself. He says that those who trust in wealth are laying up treasures in the last days. Now, that's a very important phrase and has a twofold meaning as well. James is talking about the last days we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. Right now is the last days, according to the book of Acts. This is the final era of redemptive history that commenced with the ascension of the Lord Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Right. This is it. You know, this is the last period of biblical history where God is offering salvation to sinners so that they may prepare for eternity. 
there will not be another Christ dying on a cross. There won't be another empty tomb. This is the last period of, of salvific history. Mm-hmm. And so if this is it, then quite frankly, there is too much at stake to be wrapped up in earthly wealth and possessions. Right. People are going to hell left and right. Mm-hmm. And the gospel needs to be preached. And Jesus is coming sooner now than ever before. And so, therefore, laying up treasures on earth when there will soon be no earth to lay up treasures on is futile. These are the last days, and we're getting closer to the second coming of Christ where he will come and dissolve the earth, as we said earlier. And so we don't need to put too much stock in these earthly treasures. Mm -hmm. And second, here's the other meaning to this. When he talks about the last days, he is referring to the last day, the last day of judgment, that is. Mm-hmm. And James is saying, look, you're storing up judgment for yourselves and riches aren't going to help you. Riches aren't going to help you when you stand before God. You're actually piling up a heap of guilt by piling up treasures on earth and you'll have to answer for it before mm-hmm. God's righteous and holy tribunal. Yeah. So very strong words about trusting in earthly riches here. Yeah. What do you think about it, Chris? Well, this isn't the first time that James has really brought up the rich. He's talked about how the rich would oppress the poor and right. and things of that nature. But what you're saying is completely correct. Of course, James isn't suggesting that one who has wealth must weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you because not all people who have wealth attained it in an ungodly fashion. Correct. And, uh, but we do know this for sure, that many people, most people probably who have wealth of this world are sold to it, just as you mm. said. Uh, they're, they're possessed by their possessions. I, right. I really like how that's put because that really simplifies that idea of being possessed by your possessions. And if you're possessed by your possessions, guess what? That's your God right, right there. Right. And, and you will find no salvation in that little G God of riches. And so this is why Jesus makes the statement in Matthew 19, 23 through 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, he says this right after his conversation with this rich young ruler who was seeking out eternal life. How how might I get this eternal life, Jesus? And Jesus says, you know, of course, uh, follow all the commandments. And this young man says, oh, well, I have, I've, I've been doing that, which, you know, really was a lie. He was yeah. a little more. Yeah, that was a lie himself. for sure. Right? <laughs> so he needs to review the commandments that he needed to follow. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, okay, well, if you're doing that, great. How about you do this now? Go sell all of your possessions and take care of the poor. Mm. And then the young rich ruler, he was sad and he walked away sad because he knew he couldn't obtain this eternal life because guess what? He was possessed by his possessions. And so there's there's this really hard saying to take here. And I think James is really reiterating what Jesus is, is pointing out here. 
but it's not saying that it's impossible for a rich person. In fact, I like how the ESV, which is the version we're reading out of it, uh, is, is says that it's, there's going to be difficulty, mm-hmm. difficulty, right? Uh, because so many people are more sold over to their possessions than they are sold to God. But in that same passage, when you look down at chapter Matthew chapter 19, verse 25 through 26, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished saying, who can be saved? Which, you know, that's a question we can ask. Like, man, if we, strive forward in this world and we actually do make some money and and attain some wealth or does that you know does that mean we're not saved but jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible first pointing us to the fact that salvation is only possible through christ Mm -hmm. so going back to that point you made in the last days, when you stand before God, you've got this judgment that you've earned. That's what you've earned. Mm-hmm. Your money's not going to help you. And so these people that are seeking out riches and, and building up kingdoms in this world, that's not going to help them. That's not going to bring them salvation. It's only Christ right. that brings them salvation. So with Christ, it's possible. The impossible becomes possible. And uh, we, we see that not all the rich will suffer judgment, but if you are sold to your wealth rather than to Christ, and just as James has written before, you have caused others to suffer to obtain your wealth, and you've built your kingdom here in a perishing world, guess what? If you build your kingdom in a perishing world, expect to perish with it. Recall what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 27, where he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. And so ultimately to put your hope in riches is to build your house on the shifting sands. And when the storm comes, your house is going to fall. And riches are a part of the world. And so if you put your faith in it, your house will fall. So it's important that you put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ, the solid rock, uh, the, the sure foundation of our salvation. And it's in him that you will find eternal life, not in money, but in him. Right. And, and I like what you were, were saying earlier that God does bless people with riches. He does. Sure. But... I I heard it put this way one time someone was telling me about how some people were blessed with riches and some weren't and people were asking why. And of course you might see someone that has riches and ask yourself that same question. Why are they blessed with riches? And I am not, but they said this wise thing to me, God will not bless us with something that takes us away from him. Right. So if he knows that riches is what's going to to make you fall or take your eyes off of him, guess what? He's not going to give you those riches. Just like my 
little toddler Maisie, I, if I want her to listen to me, I can't have the TV on. Therefore, when I'm wanting her to listen to me, guess what is off in the house? The TV <laughs> is. And yeah. we're like little toddlers. If something's going to take our attention away from God, he's not going to give it to us. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to take care of us. He's always going to provide for us. He's going to give us our daily bread. That's that's an assurance that we right. we have in him. But that doesn't mean we have to have an abundance of everything. Sure. And he will make sure that we survive. But continuing forward, we see the miseries caused by those who put wealth before all else. We see the miseries caused by those who were possessed by their possessions and just couldn't get enough in this world and, and had to go for more and what they put people through to get that. And so we'd see in James chapter five, verse four through six, behold, the wages of the laborers who moved, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Again, that really strong language there. You yeah, see? super nice. Yeah. <laughs> you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So again, let us note that these sins are what the rich will answer for. So I think it's worthy to note your wealth and look at it and ask yourself this question. How have I obtained this? How have I obtained the possessions that are in my hands? Look around you. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're driving, don't look around you. Keep your <laughs> eyes on the road. But I mean, at your house, in your office, what you have, did, did you gain all of these things through dishonest and ungodly means? And if you feel that this passage is calling you out, it's probably time to evaluate where you have built your house. If you've right. built your house clearly on the solid rock of Christ, or if you've built it on the shifting sands of this world, mm -hmm. the, the shifting sands of, of riches. And I tell you this, those that have built their kingdom unfairly, they will have their day. The mm -hmm. one that the rich has oppressed may not seek vengeance. They might not cry out and, and take you to court but they cry out to God and God hears and God will exact his vengeance. Right. That's what Paul warns us about in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19, when he's encouraging Christians to give vengeance to the Lord and to ignore the persecution of this world. Uh, and, and he writes this, uh, repay no one evil for evil, but Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So that should be something that you should really hear, because when when you come against the righteous, when you come against people and use them and and oppress them, guess what? You're going to have to answer before God. And, right. and rich oppressors have no doubt, guess what? Your sin's going to find you out. You may fool the world, but the Lord is always watching. That's what we learned in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 through, through 31. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. 
How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And and we've got to recall that James is writing to believers here. Right, or at least right. people proclaiming to be believers. Mm-hmm. So to oppress others, especially if you're proclaiming to be a believer, to oppress others for your gain is really to trample the Son of God underfoot, to count the blood of his covenant by which you were sanctified a common thing, and it insults the spirit of grace to call yourself a follower of Christ and downtrodden the poor and needy. That goes against everything that James has written thus far. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what he really started out with? You want pure and undefiled religion? What do you got to do? Go out to the poor and needy. Go out and take care of the orphans and the widows. And right, so, right. And, and I think it really brings us back to the understanding that we found earlier in the epistle that we uh, do not need to be a hearer of the word only, but a doer. For a hearer of the word and not a doer will live like the world until they gather with a body of believers. They'll put on this pretty mask and, and say the right words. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I love that hymn this morning. Mm-hmm. Then they leave and they live like the world again. So even if you're not rich in the sense of a lot of money in your bank account, uh, th- this is still something to take to heart to guard yourself against gaining possessions of this world in an ungodly fashion. Trust that if you need those things, that God is going to bless you. And and we know this, Paul says this, that if you get something, if you're given abundantly, it's so that you have an abundance for every good work. Right, right. So that you can continue on. So don't, don't store up treasures here in this world but store up treasures in heaven. And if you're someone that has gained so much in an ungodly fashion, I encourage you this. Don't walk away like that young rich ruler, but listen to Christ when he says, give everything up. That doesn't mean that you need to go to Facebook Marketplace and put all your (laughs) possessions on the market. But ask God, what can I do with what I have to give glory to you? Right. Put your faith in him, trust him, follow him, give up all you have, and do as he says, go where he leads. But Brother Brandon, do you have anything to say on those verses there? Yeah, and I just wanted to just remind our listeners, you know, these are very strong words about judgment and trusting in riches, to be sure. But these cautions and warnings are merciful. This is God speaking loudly to the person that's trusting in riches and calling them to repent and trust in him now before it's everlastingly too late. And that's what James is really getting at in the latter part of this passage in verses 4 through 6, where he's saying, look, your defrauding and your mistreatment of the poor is something that God is noticing. He's not overlooked it. He's not turned his back on it. Mm-hmm. He says the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. 
God has taken note of this mistreatment and this ill-gotten wealth. And he really comes to a climax on this when he says in verse 5 that you've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Mm. See, that's that's talking about judgment. He's, mm. he's preparing the reader for the judgment that's going to come to him if he doesn't repent. Right. And, and the picture here is of a, a calf that's just being continually fattened, continually eating and eating and eating, not knowing that it is just fattening itself to be slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Again, very strong in metaphorical language here. Right. And what James is saying about riches in this regard is that those who are living high on the hog with no regard for eternity are fattening themselves like a hog being prepared for slaughter. Right. You might be feeding yourself really well now. You might be, you know, putting on a lot of pounds, I guess, in in storing up earthly riches, but all of that's going to go away when you stand before God. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to realize and you have to know that one day God will say to you your soul is required of you. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to give an account. That's that's why Jesus told us uh, this parable in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, of the rich fool. This this rich fool in this parable stored up a lot of things on earth. Mm-hmm. He produced plentifully, Jesus says. He had a lot of crops and built a lot of barns in order to store his crops. And the rich man is saying to himself, because of all of his possessions, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, he's thinking he's fine and that he's good mm-hmm. to go. He's got all these riches to trust in. And in the parable that Jesus told, says, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. Right. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Mm-hmm. Saying, look, what matters most about you, what's most valuable is your soul. That that the value of that outweighs all of your earthly possessions. And you should have been preparing that for eternity. That's what God is saying in this parable. And that's why Jesus concludes that parable by saying, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, that's what matters. We need to be rich toward God in faith and in trusting him. We can be rich in the earthly sense, but poor towards God. And one final point to mention here, James uh, says in verse 6, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. And what he may be talking about there is that these rich landowners in withholding wages from their poor laborers may have led to their starvation. Mm -hmm. They may have murdered them in that sense because they needed money to buy food and they weren't being paid properly. Right. But what is so interesting is James says, he does not resist you. In other words, these righteous believers who were subject to this financial abuse did not resist it or revolt. They didn't complain. They didn't pick up their swords and try to start a revolution. No, they just actually laid back and accepted this persecution. And the reason they did is because their hope was in something greater than riches. Right. Christ and in, and his justice. 
Mm-hmm. And see, that's what James is really trying to call us back to, isn't it? Right. Saying, look at these believers. They are certainly suffering because you're withholding wages from them, but mm-hmm. they're not resisting. They're not revolting because they've got riches that you can't touch. They've got riches in Christ Jesus, the only riches that ultimately matter. Right. And so we should say that if we ever find ourselves in this situation as believers where we are persecuted financially for believing in Christ, we need to just trust in our eternal riches and in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's why Peter told us in 1 Peter 2 that Christ left us an example to follow in his suffering. Right. He said... Uh, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Right. And that's what we need to do as well. If we're ever mistreated in the way that Jesus was or in the way that James believers, uh, reading believers were mistreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I really think that wraps it up. I don't. I mean, I'm sure we could find more stuff to talk about on here, but a simple point is this: if if you're given wealth, it's to glorify God. Don't don't give yourself over. Don't be possessed by your possessions, but give all glory to God. And if you have great possessions, know that He's given them to you to help the poor and needy. If you are the poor and needy and you're being oppressed, leave it in God's hands. He's not calling for some type of revolution, some type of big war because we've already, that's already been taken care of. The revolution was on the cross of Calvary. That's where Mm. it was. We don't have to worry anymore about another fight, another battle. If we suffer temporarily here in this world, I can't even compare the, the current the present sufferings to the glory that I am going to experience in eternity with Christ. So bring it on world, whatever you got, throw it at me. I've got Jesus. I've got eternity with him. And I pray that if you're listening to this, that you have that same hope that you have eternity in Christ because you have put your faith in a son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. So brother Brandon, it was a pleasure again to Record another episode with you. I don't have much more to say. Do you have any last thoughts before you dismiss us in prayer? No, I think that pretty well sums it up. We need to be rich toward God. That's the only riches that matter. Yep. And uh, even if we don't have a dollar to our name, if we have faith in Christ, uh, we're pretty rich. And we can be thankful for that. So let's give thanks to our Lord God for making us rich in Christ spiritually and pray that he would help us to Uh, use all of our finances for his glory. Our Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture that you've given to us in the letter of James, this wise warning about the futility of earthly riches, how they fade away and how they're not worth trusting in. We thank you for telling us the truth. And we thank you that we are rich in Christ, that we possess all spiritual blessings in him, and that that makes us truly wealthy in the greatest sense. And we certainly pray that every one of our listeners have begun that relationship with Christ where they turn from their sins and turn toward Jesus in faith. And now, Lord, as we uh, live throughout this week, we pray that you might help us to use our finances to glorify you and take care of the needy. 
And we thank you for all that you've taught us today. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.